1: Welcome to Sword and Shield Podcast. This is episode seven, and I'm Colonel Rick Erridge And I'm Chief Chris Howard. And with us today we have... Colonel Lori Jones. We're super excited to have you here, ma'am. Thanks for joining us.
0: I am excited to be here.
1: We just want to give you an opportunity to kind of have some thoughts on your transition and as your as your time here as a wing commander and, and the group prior to that. So are there any... Uh, what are you kind of thinking about now um, as we head through this transition?
0: Well... Um, i'm thinking about two different things one personally i'm thinking about me personally and and reflecting on my personal experience and then i'm also thinking about the organization um, personally you know this is the last time i'll probably ever be a commander in my career and so um, that's very bittersweet for me i think um, for those of you that are listening that um, have had that privilege to be a commander it's it's a uh, it's an awesome responsibility. There's a lot of uh, you know, weight and burden that comes with that, but it also brings you great pleasure and joy. And so it's very bittersweet for me to kind of walk away from this assignment with that realization that this will be probably the last time that I'm gonna be able to wear uh, that commander pin on my chest. And so um, it's it's been fantastic. It's been an awesome, experience to be able to be the first wing commander of the of a cyberspace wing and air force reserve command so uh, that's been awesome and and i will always be able to say i was the first and so that's pretty cool i'm i'm also super excited when you leave an assignment you always talk about wanting to leave things better than you found it and i remember when i first came here when we were still the cyber operations group and i met with all of the commanders and the um, superintendents as part of one of our leadership summits. And I talked about, you know, I'm going to work really hard to uh, in, help us improve the organization and mature the organization. While that's a, a journey and a path that we're, we're on, and we're certainly not nowhere near the end of that path, I really am proud of the work that we have all done in maturing the organization. And it is so much better today than it was a couple of years ago. And I'm so proud of that work, not just for me, but um, for you guys that are sitting here with me today and everybody out there listening, we all should be very proud of the work we've done over the last couple of years to mature the organization.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I remember talking to Colonel Terry years ago when he was talking about this concept of uh, cyberspace wing and that it really uh, it, it breathed some life into my career about, hey, there's an opportunity for a cyber dude or dudette to have an opportunity to, to lead an organization at the wing level.
2: Hey ma'am, and that, that kind of leads me to a question. You were able to uh, kind of see the maturity of going from Comm to Cyber, um, from the unit level to the group and through the transition and growth of the wing. Is there anything that you can kind of share about that uh, that experience?
0: There are so many things I can share uh, about that experience. I'll try to keep it uh, concise uh, since uh, this is a, a short podcast, right?
2: How about a funny story? Just something. A funny
0: story. <laughs> There's a lot of sad stories and, uh, and, and probably a lot of yelling and stuff that went along with the experience. But um, I did have the opportunity. I was in the what's now the 50th Network Warfare Squadron, which was at the time we were the 7th, 10th information operations flight when we actually moved under the group when the group very first stood up uh, and then left and came back as part of the group when it was still the group. And we had kind of reorganized with all of the cyber units under the group and then matriculated into into the wing. And I think um, despite the challenges of um, geography, I think one of the things that I've noticed is uh, particularly in the last uh, 12 months, our ability to come together as a, an entire organization. Uh, as a part of the 710th, I think we often felt we were out on an island. And I recognize a lot of units probably still feel that to a certain extent, but the way we are communicating better, overcoming the um, the tyranny of, of distance uh, by doing things like this and having these podcasts and um, so many opportunities to come together, uh, as a, as a unit, you know we sat on a call yesterday about strategic planning, had folks from all over the wing doing that. We just didn't do things like that when we were first starting out as an organization. And so I'm um, getting folks in that are energized and have that initiative and want to bring everybody together. Um, you know, synergy is is real. And so um, getting people together and cre- creating those synergies and great ideas. I think the power of that is is phenomenal, and we're starting to see a lot of momentum around those synergies that we just didn't have uh, earlier on when we were just kind of a fledgling group.
2: Right, I mean, yeah, I think that we've made some uh, great inroads just in the, the past year and a half that I've been with uh, the wing. Um, I, I'm definitely excited about where we've come from, right, and uh, where we're headed. I think we're really lucky to have you,
1: um, On the journey, because you grew up kind of what I tell people, she grew up in the wing, right? As that unit, and then through the group processes, you went away and then came back for the wing. And so you've seen this maturity over time. And so you kind of understand mission sets and where we're trying to go. Where do you feel like we should go in the future? What kind of things um, would you tell um, if somebody were listening to this five years from now? What kind of things would we be doing as a wing?
0: Right. As you, were, as you were kind of formulating that question, I wrote down a note. I think one of the real challenges for our organization in particular is not only, you know, kind of coming together as an organization, but our operational mission is still evolving. And so, you know, whereas, you know, if you're involved in a flying unit or whatever, you know, those kind of things, I think, in my mind, at least, have kind of been um, the same over time and and we are still literally, you know, to uh, use a very overused euphemism We're still flying the we're flying the plane as we're building it kind of thing So we're still trying to figure out from a mission perspective where we fit in the overall um, c- cyber um, domain, I think where we're going and where we need to focus is this whole idea uh, that General Hawke's been, you know, promoting and and putting into practice is that information warfare concept, and really um, organizing and and coalescing around what information warfare is. What does that look like? What what effects um, can we produce? And and really look at the um, the you know kind of melding between cyber intel and those other missionaries to create the um, the effects from information warfare. So. Uh, my crystal ball tells me in the next uh uh, 12 to 24 months there's going to be a lot of discussion about how we can um organize around uh you know trying to uh, improve that concept what that you know what that really looks like in an organization and i'm hoping to see the 960th really lead the way as far as uh, the air force reserves is is concerned in that respect i think you guys have the talent you have the knowledge and you have the leadership here Um, that you're going to lead the way in terms of um, those changes to come in the Air Force Reserve.
1: Certainly, it's an exciting time being part of standing up the first wing and the only cyber wing in AFRC. But going forward, I think that excitement is still there.
2: And it's going to take all sorts of different types of people for us to realize that. Right. And as we keep on changing, um, you know, it brings me to another question is, is there any kind of advice that you could give to our enlisted corps specifically um, how to uh, meet that change, adapt to that change and be ready for the next step?
0: I think first and foremost, I would say um, whether you're uh, enlisted officer corps, be engaged and stay engaged and be informed about what's going on. I think that's a challenge, particularly for those of us that are traditional reservists um, to stay engaged in what's going on there's so much that changes in a 30-day cycle Um, we need to stay read read up on what's going on with uh, um, cyber information warfare intel all those kinds of things Um, do your homework keep keep up with um, you know whether it's a strategic document or uh, a news article that comes out, or uh, you know, a Facebook uh, interview with uh, cyber leaders or information warfare leaders. I think the the more you can stay up in term, as part of your personal professional development and what's going on within the cyber information warfare realm, the better poised you're going to be able to be to um, provide valuable input, regardless of whether you're a combat com dude or you work on the CSCS the weapon system or whatever. Um, if you understand the big picture, you're going to understand where you fit in that bigger picture and where um, the DOD and the Air Force is trying to go with respect to cyber. And you can provide that input in terms of where you personally fit into that, that perspective. I think um, professional development on the personal side is something that I think is really um, important. And so, you know, my advice for any airman, is uh, make sure you're, you're doing your professional development pieces, the pieces that you can control. I know that uh, was one of the subjects of an earlier podcast that you guys did. Um, and so I think uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, I'll put a plug in uh, to go back and listen to uh, episode three that talks about some professional development for enlisted force because I think you guys uh, had a really good conversation about what's important and how, how that um, can help an airman in their career in terms of their professional development and, and PME and those types of things.
2: Yes, ma'am. I appreciate the plug. I know that you uh, spent some time. Uh, I, you hammered, didn't pay uh,
0: me for that, <laughs> right. so, but you know, that's a freebie free chief.
2: I appreciate it. Uh, if I can, uh, I did have another question, you know, being a, um, you know, first ever commander of, of a cyber wing, being a transitional leader, um, what kind of advice can you give to our budding uh, leadership out there enlisted and officer?
0: I think, um, any opportunity that you have to um, take the initiative to be in charge of something, whether it's in charge being in charge of people, being in charge of a project, uh, networking with folks outside of your organization, that's going to help you in the long run. Again, I think back to examples from this week, we're doing all this uh, strategic planning and we have these um, the three different goal areas and it's a great opportunity for someone that either um, feels like, you know, they have talents that aren't being utilized. That would be a great opportunity. There's leadership opportunities all around us. Wherever you look, there's a leadership opportunity, right? And so um, it's uh, everywhere you look, there's an opportunity to get involved and to do something. And then, you know, that's going to have kind of a waterfall effect. You do it take the initiative do a good job you're going to get recognized by your your organization's leadership and uh the next time another opportunity comes around then you know your name's going to be stuck in that commander's head about hey so and so you know they really stepped out and did a good job on x and so let's you know that like it kind of is a, a situation that builds upon itself and so i think uh taking advantage of those opportunities will help make a name for yourself but also give you valuable experience
2: right and that experience definitely uh the little things that we miss sometimes uh, from a small piece like when a Talk about an airman taking on uh, the snacko job, right? Everybody's like, nobody wants to be the snacko. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst job ever. It's uh, nobody likes you, never got the right stuff, and it's always empty. Um, but it's uh, understanding the, the supply chain, understanding the customer demands and stuff like that. So it's those little things that do add up, I guess.
0: I can't uh, emphasize enough how, um, how you never know what you're going to um, gain from something until you do it, right? right. I tell folks in my career, One of the hardest jobs that I ever had, and y'all are probably going to laugh, I was a second lieutenant, first lieutenant. I worked in protocol at at OSAN in the 51st Fighter Wing at OSAN. And so um, it was one of the hardest jobs still to this day. Mm -hmm. I've been a wing commander. You know, one of the hardest jobs I ever had was working protocol, Um, but hated it the whole time I did it, right, because it was so hard. I never got a day off. But I learned so much again kind of that whole looking in the rearview mirror perspective I learned so much by being so close to you know senior leaders across PACAF and across the you know the DOD and the Air Force and learn you know you, you watch and learn you work your butt off um, and and you know get very little recognition sometimes but at the end of the day Um, that particular experience, I think really, um, set me up in terms of learning a work ethic, learning how, you know, uh, the big picture operates and all of those kinds of things that you would never have thought in a million years. If you're like, you know, protocol, what, what possibly could I learn from working in protocol? And so, you know, sure. I learned how, where to put the flag and and all of those kinds of things, but that was very minimal compared to like what I learned in the bigger picture and being Mm -hmm. able to be around, you know, uh. Um, senior leaders and and understanding, you know, how things operate, what work ethic is about and, you know, all those types of things. You never know um, when you're going to stumble across those opportunities. So take advantage.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've had several uh, examples as I think about it. You know, myself, I came across General Goldfein at one point. We were both deployed and he was the absent forward commander and I was working in Kuwait at the at KCIA and so we dealt with all the D V stuff. So in my six months there, I probably had eight hours of one on one time with General Goldfein as he waited in the D V room drinking Coke, watching TV, waiting for waiting for people to arrive from the States that he would pick up in his and just for me trying to find a way to engage him and I really didn't know who he was, and obviously he didn't know who I was, um, helped me learn just how to deal interpersonal with somebody at that level. And um, I dreaded it every time I was on duty that when I saw the schedule, who was coming in, yeah. and I knew he'd be there. It was really hard. So, well, I really appreciate uh, you, and 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 I feel like I always know where I stand with you from a communication point. You're really good with that. How did you get to that point of being able to uh, – um, just be able to articulate from a feedback perspective um, with people. Was it natural to you or was it something you had to kind of work through and grow into?
0: I think a little bit of both. I think, um, you know, maturing as a human being, it's taught me that, you know, Transparency is important in life, not not only, you know, while you're in your job, but at home, too, probably, Um, you know, making sure you're trying to communicate. Now, I will tell you, I'm probably not the best communicator. None of us are probably perfect in that respect. But, um, you know, making sure people understand where you're coming from, being honest with folks on where they stand with you and where you stand with them, whether or not you, know, you feel like they met the target if you asked them to do something or didn't. I think that's very important because I think it sets you up for um, making sure there's no um, miscommunications or misunderstandings down the road. I think that experience has taught me that. If I'm upfront and honest, despite how difficult that is to look somebody in the eye and tell them, hey, you didn't quite meet my expectations on something. And I think there's some art and experience in kind of how that comes across and how you say that to somebody that I've learned over the years. There's probably better ways to say that than others. And uh, I find as a as a colonel with 27 years in the Air Force, I'm a little bit better at providing that um, constructive feedback than I was maybe as a second lieutenant. And so, you know, from that perspective, there's definitely ways to um Again, going back to your own personal, professional development, learning how to um, give that feedback uh, is important, but from a perspective of how it's received, but also from the perspective of making sure we're all on the same page and we all know where we stand with each other and where we're going. uh, I think that helps with definitely minimizing uh, confusion and misunderstandings in the long run.
2: And I think that's a great point, ma'am, right? That the maturing of your leadership capability. I know I was horrible, uh, especially when uh, talking about um, explaining uh, missed opportunities or uh, explaining where someone may have missed missed that uh, expectation. I think I delivered it like a hammer more than once. And it was (laughs) not very taken well. I
0: I would say that's probably the tendency for all of us when we want to kind of lead with the heavy hand. And um, I think also it's important for, Um, As I've matured over the years to understand, um, you got to consider the individual as well. And so some people take feedback different than others. And so some people you may be able to be a little bit more direct with than other people. And you you might, you know, maybe need to um, massage your message also based on who your audience is. And so that was that's a little plug for emotional intelligence for folks. If you ever. Again, your personal professional development, if you want to read up on emotional intelligence, I think that helped me tremendously a few years ago. I, I, I did some work with somebody on emotional intelligence and um, the benefits that I derived from that have been um, awesome. So understanding your audience and and tailoring your message based on that audience, uh, that individual and how they're going to perceive that, I think is is very beneficial in terms of making sure you tailor your message to somebody that maybe needs to hear the message differently, maybe a little less, you know, direct than others.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good tie-in too with uh, some, uh, a different statement that you made when we talked about professional development and PME. Uh, We we talk about uh, how to interact with individuals and like, I'm not going to learn that. It's like math in high school, right? I'm never going <laughs> to use this. Um, but uh, you take that piece and then you add the piece that you just uh, explained to us with emotional intelligence. And we start putting all those pieces together. I think that um, as a leader, it, we owe it to our airmen and we owe it to ourselves to, to make that effort uh, to really gather those pieces and put them together so that we can interact um, holistically with our airmen. So we get the uh, best kind of output based on our expectations and um, what that airman needs.
0: And I think it's important to understand that um, all of us can learn from others. And so I learn um, from you guys, right? I learn from anybody. Just because I'm a colonel doesn't mean I can't learn something from a senior airman or a staff sergeant. And so being open to that that concept that you you are always ready and able to learn from someone, whether they're you know a staff sergeant. Uh, the the cashier at the convenience store or whatever somebody is can teach anybody anything and so i think that's an important thing as individuals for us to look out for is that always be ready to learn because you never know when that where that lesson's going to come from
2: right yeah learning is a continuum right it's that's non-stop right. as soon as you stop you're you're pretty much dead in the water <laughs> i think that's personally um and uh that's a very good point ma'am um, learning from each other um knowing that uh, mentorship isn't just from the top down it's um, it's very just omnidirectional.
0: Omnidirectional is a great way to put it. Big word.
2: <laughs> yeah, like The common word. I had to bring some in <laughs> common there. You know, well, I got to share with you what I,
1: I, was, I was reflecting about what we're going to talk about. What's important to pass on in this uh, in this podcast? It came across me. I started thinking about what question do I get asked about you most? Like. <laughs> Like as a vice, I feel like um, I try to be there and listen to people like, they always wanna bounce something off me. They wanna figure out, uh, is this something I should take to her? How is it gonna be received? And I try to give some advice and mentor. And um, but, but you may be shocked, but one of the questions I get asked most is, it always starts with, I know she's busy. And everybody kinda, I won't say everybody, but some people know your high speed civilian job. And this job, being a wing commander, takes a lot of time. And so um, we try to, I try to put it in position. Is this something that she needs to make a decision on? And if it is, then we find time and you're always willing to take the time um, to listen and to make that decision. We try to put that in front of you in the best way possible. But how do you, and I'm not sure balance is the right word, but um, because. Through your life, you're never always balancing your filling job, your role as a reservist, and then as a family member as well. So, uh, any thoughts there about how you've been able to, or things that you've learned about um, managing, kind of the what we used to call the, you know, the the three-legged stool as a reservist?
0: I have so many thoughts on that. Um, I'm still trying to perfect that balance. I think that's always something that is difficult. Does that, you know? I call it the work work life balance. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of it though depends on you know your 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 particular situation. I think it ebbs and flows. For example, between your personal life and work life, I think there'll be times when um, you, maybe you need to give a little more on the personal side. You know, perhaps you know relationship issues require you to give a little bit more on that side, or you have a baby, or Um, you you decided that it's time to go to school. And so you need to focus on that. But there will definitely if you want to progress in your career, there's times where you've got to put your career um, in that kind of driver's seat, right? Um, It's difficult for me, like you said, I I have two very demanding jobs. And so um, it's just every day, it's just you got to, you know, prioritize and figure it out. And um, it's, it's just, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not easy. It's hard. And and what that looks like is different for everybody. I'm uh, uh, fortunate enough to be in a situation in my civilian job where I have a lot of freedom. So, um, you know, sometimes I'm doing, literally doing both jobs during the day. Mm. You know, my civilian job allows me the freedom to do that. Um, I don't necessarily go home at five o'clock and turn off the, you know, the wheels or whatever. So, uh, but you have to make sure you afford yourself the opportunity to do that. I know early on I've I've figured out I'm a person who needs to turn turn the light switch out. Some people aren't like that. I tell folks the story of uh on my civilian job, I, my previous uh boss f- from a few years ago, you know, she was real uh, you know, it made her more comfortable to be always on. And so she had this expectation where She would get up in the middle of the night and she would stop by her laptop and check her email when she got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And, I, you know, it was a very um, light bulb moment for me because I am not that person. Once, you know, granted, there's emergencies that come through and things like that. But for me, I need that shutdown time. And so when I go home, I want to be at home. Now, granted, we we've talked a lot when (laughs) we've been at home. Right. So there's, you know, emergencies that come up and, you know. Those are kind of the exceptions to the rule. But, um, you know, what works for me, I found, is get my work done, do my work, whatever work that is. And I, I need to stop and get away from work in order to recharge my battery for the next day or, or you know, the next month or whatever that is. And so uh, encourage folks to take time off. I just did that last week took time off. Did I have to do some things while I was on vacation? Sure. But, you know, taking that time off and recharging my batteries, very important for me to come back this week and attack it. And so I think um, that's a real important balance for everybody, but also something that's very individualized.
2: Good point. Yeah, that resiliency piece in leadership is is very key. It's very key. Knowing what that balance is and knowing when to unplug.
0: And it's different for everybody. Right. What works for me isn't gonna work for Chief Howard. It's not gonna work for Colonel Erich. And so, um, it's just very different for each person. And so that's also something I think you have to work with your supervisors about to learn that, you know, give and take between each, each of those two individuals, like what works for my supervisor and understand that as well, because I think that's real important in the supervisor supervisee relationship, understanding how that, that person works and those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, it's a really great message because I think, um, and then then you throw on top of what's going on in the world that's influencing all these things too. Some people um, are having a harder time, obviously, right now at different times, and we're trying to reach them all. So that's a great message, them kind of manage. So I think we're approaching the end of the podcast. We're going to leave you an opportunity to wrap it up, and uh, I just want to say thanks, good luck, and uh, you always be number one. <laughs>
0: I'll always feel like I'm number one, at least in my own mind. Um,
1: you can do like General Goldfein does, or he calls himself, you know, Chief of Staff Number Twenty-One. You can always be number one, CW Number One.
0: That's right, that's right. That'll that'll be on my tattoo when I get my tattoo. Uh, we we'll definitely Cyber want space that space wing tattoo. It'll I'll have a little number one next to it.
1: Samantha wants that for all of the social media when you get that. So make sure to right. send us I'm a All right, I'm on it.
0: I I, I am uh, as Chief Bischoff knows, I am in the. <laughs> the throes of thinking about covering up a tattoo that I have. And so that's on the <laughs> list of possibilities. So you nice. actually may get one of those here, wow. uh, someday soon. Um, I, thanks first of all, for inviting me to be part of this podcast. Um, it allows me the opportunity to thank everyone else that's listening. So, uh, this has been the, the privilege of my career, uh, to be a wing commander. I uh, would have never have thought 27 years ago, second Lieutenant Jones, uh, would have ever been a wing commander and so I, I i've referred to myself uh several times in different forms as the accidental wing commander right <laughs> I, I, I i feel like in certain respects i i backed up into this but um i hope you guys uh, feel like I, I i did you justice in terms of um, leading this wing uh, it's been a privilege and an honor and i'm so excited the direction that uh, you all are heading and I can't wait to to buy some popcorn and a hot dog and sit in the cheap seats and uh, and watch where you guys are heading next because I think uh, the 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 world better be ready because there's great things in store for the 960th Cyberspace Wing and I can't wait to see that. So um, thanks for for to everybody out there for all your hard work and your dedication and professionalism in the face of all the challenges that uh, we faced the last few years uh, your, your work and your talent is extraordinary. I'll miss you guys. I will miss all of you. And, um, I look forward to hopefully our paths crossing in the future. So thank you very much.